Clubhouse. Welcome to the Pop Culture Review Podcast. This is Caroline. This is Paul. And this is Mike. Tonight we're looking back at the week that was for the week of January 29th to February 4th, 2023. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Hello. How are we doing? Hi, Mike. How are you? Good. In the middle of a deep frost here in New York, we are going through Mother's Nature's angry kiss. She is, uh, what the hell? Is- it was negative 15 here yesterday. Okay, negative that's 15 messy. degrees. That's not good. Not yeah, good. but you know what it's good weather for? Staying inside, watching TV, getting cozy with some of the old shows and doing some rewatches and watching some of those Oscar movies. Yeah, we hit all of that. I mean, let's just get right into this week that was TV watching. We have we have some new TV shows, we've got some rewatches, and we do have some movies. Uh, let's start with movies, because I think you guys, as part of Paul's ongoing mafia kick, <laughs> seem, to, <laughs> seem to watch some mafia movies this week. Tell us all a, bit, a little bit about that. Well, I mean, going back to my mafia kick, I did finish the book on the on the five families. What was it called again? The five families. Oh, and uh, so yeah, we watched the outfit, which is not about the five families because that's in Chicago. But we also watched uh, the Departed, which is uh, what is that? It's in Boston, and the Untouchables, which again is in Chicago. So none of the five families were addressed in our cinematic adventure, but you know, it's close enough. But the outfit does revolve around. It's been a while since I've watched it, but it does revolve around like a crime family, though. Yeah, Is yeah, that, oh, yeah. yeah, for sure. It's it's all uh, it's, it's all gangstery, right? In Chicago, but a much smaller scale than say like Al Capone. This guy wants well tailored gangstery, exactly. Uh, 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 uh. Yeah, but it has sort of a cool John Wick twist to it um, that you don't see coming. So it's it's a pretty cool little movie that. You know, you could tell during the pandemic when there was a desire to keep making movies, but make them within the strictures of that they had about how many people could be on set and all that kind of stuff. So you found a lot of scripts where things needed to take place in a single place or as few places as possible. And I think the outfit probably came out of that. And also, I think that it is one of those movies that is paced perfectly, that it is like right Exactly when you feel like th- I could e- I could watch more of this, it ends and it's like perfection. You're like, oh, they didn't drag it out a second too long and they pulled that twist right at the right moment. So I highly recommend go check it out. The outfit. I don't, know if you, I don't know if you recall, Mike, but kind of the soundtrack song for Jack Nicholson's gang in The Departed is um, Kevin's ringtone. Allison's ringtone for Kevin, I should say. And Kevin can F himself. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, kick it, Kicking Up to Boston by the... Um, Screaming Irish Rock people, Murphy's. I'm sure. There you go. Yes. Rock same Kick Murphy's. Same difference. <laughs> but yeah. That's the one. Yeah. Whenever Nicholson and his and his gang are about to do some badass gangster shit, that's that's when they start to I mean it's one that. of the great song openings. It really is. But I, I forever associate it with Boston and Irish toughies. But man, on the untouchables when you're talking about soundtracks, whew. 
it didn't age as well as the rest that of the movie. One, while the movie was great and the twists were great, man, the music on it was horrible. I was laughing so hard. I was like, I, I'm sure of the time it was very appropriate at the time, but it had such like a moonlighting. Like there was this part where it was just always Wait, like they didn't Burr! use period music in Untouchables. Uh, I mean, they it's not set no. in like like prohibition era music. Like it's not no. some of it, some of it, some of it here and there. You got that. It's a composed but soundtrack. It's not. It is it's not period music. But it's this like. But it's got kind of that 80s, like, well, here's so the much, saxophone. So much clarinet kind of. and yeah. oboe action. Like, I'm telling you, the amount of... I was like, oh, I'm dying. Like, because this movie is, is amazing. But then it's like, you need a modern soundtrack now. I need something that's like heart thumping, scary. I don't want Kenny G. Like, yeah. it's not. It that's is so funny. I, such a I, I love The Untouchables. I probably haven't watched it in oh, 15 years, but I love The Untouchables. I, I feel like I know a lot of the scenes. I can see them in my head. Like so many carriage. iconic scenes. Yeah, the carriage slow, uh, slow-mo falling down the stairs. And stuff. I can't think of the soundtrack at all. Like, yeah. none of well, the music of that lucky. movie is coming back. Me. Your memory is That's protecting so you right now. I'm telling you because it's like if you remembered this, you would be sad. But it's one of those amazing movies that I think would be one of those awesome experiments that people do like in film school where you take three different soundtracks with like very different tones and like show how it changes the movie. Like it would so greatly improve into like today's day and age if they would just like, you know, I don't know, go back and just just redo the soundtrack, please. <laughs> Please. I was dying. I was really dying. Every time the music would start to play and swell, I'd be like, oh, Maddie, just come back with me to my to my apartment. No, David, I won't. I was doing my full moonlighting impression. You know, what's funny about that movie, I thought, after watching was it. my it, moonlighting impression? Yeah, that was hilarious. But <laughs> is that Kevin Costner is probably the weakest actor in the cast compared to like Garcia and, and Connery. He's the least experienced. At yeah, that, right? and, and, it, and it, well, it, definitely at least. But he's also the kind of the real straight guy, though, too, right? He's the yeah. one who doesn't get to have the flourish because he's he's the fucking accountant, right? I mean, that's what he is. He's a he's a he's a. Yeah, that's true. Guy, he's a treasury you know? man, right? Yeah, he's he's, he's, a, he's a real buttoned up guy. So he has that type of personality that also comes off a little without a lot of excitement. <laughs> you, you need you need some of the hot blood pumping through like Garcia and and Connery to take him out of his comfort zone. And show him like the, the Chicago way, right? That's the whole point of the Connery thing. You got to do it the Chicago way. He brings a knife, you bring a gun. That yeah, <laughs> exactly. He sends one of yours to the hospital. You put one of his in a morgue. Like you need that kind of like lift in your your cojones to give you. And Costner's character doesn't have that. He has to be brought there. No, it was great. So those are those are three. If you are feeling a real like mafia mobster gangster five families kind of vibe, definitely go check out those three movies: The Outfit, The Departed, The Untouchables. Mike, we uh, caught word that you were starting your Oscar yes, watch. In, in my pledge to myself and America in last week's episode, I said I would start watching Oscar-nominated movies, and I did this week. I sat down, I watched Todd Fields' Tar, which is nominated for six Oscars in this coming uh, Oscar season. That's the Conductor Lady with Problems. Conductor Lady with Problems, played by Kate Blanchett. It's a fantastic movie. It is one of those movies where it's so well done, you think it is really a true biopic. Even after seeing that it's about a fictional woman named Lydia Tarr, 
I think it's lying to me. I, I think the internet and Wikipedia are lying to me. And this is, in fact, a real person. That's how believable this character is as a real person. It, it tells a story of people in power abusing their power and, and not appreciating that there should be and that there will be consequences for that. Uh, it's an interesting take because it is a woman in a still male-dominated field of conducting is still a male-dominated field. She plays one of the preeminent female conductors in the world one of the preeminent conductors in the world but one of the preeminent certainly female conductors in the world and she abuses her power she sleeps around she seduces students and and people that she has a power dynamic over she, she's kind of a horrible person truly but she's also gifted musically and it kind of tells her fall from grace uh, it's, a, it's a really interesting story it's two and a half hours long did not feel like two and a half hours hmm. i don't think i checked my phone to check the time at all not even once definitely worth the watch it's Streaming, I believe, on Peacock. I think that's um, right. I think that's right. Go check it on Peacock. I, if you've got two and a half hours and you're looking to catch up on your movies that maybe you missed in the theater this year, definitely start with Tar. I, I, I'm a music lover. I love I love symphonies. I am fascinated by conductors. I keep looking at maybe signing Tom up for a conducting class just so I can also go and audit it. Um, you know, <laughs> Why don't you just go for your own self? <laughs> I don't know. The 45-year-old lawyer, they're going to look at me weird. No, they'll be class. like, welcome to conductor school. You're a little late, but we're happy you're here. So but it, it was really well done. There, Todd Fields, who directed it, I think maybe he also wrote it. I, don't quote me on that, actually. I have to look up who wrote it. But the research done into the field is really authentic. I think it's one of those things. On top of Blanchett's performance, the world immersion is so well done. It's a really airtight world that they've built. It, it, it really makes it feel believable, this world building that they sell you on. Super happy I sat down to watch that, so... Any rewatches this uh, this week, anyone? I mean, I'm going through Arrow because Tom hadn't really watched it. And I was I was a big fan of all the Arrowverse shows, no more so than Arrow from 2012, I think, it, when it premiered. Um, I remember I interviewed Stephen Amell and Willa Holland and Katie Cassidy at New York Comic Con the year right after the premiere of Arrow had just happened and then New York Comic Con happened. So only one episode had been out at that point. It was already kind of like a critical darling and I got to like interview all of them uh, for the show. So it was it was pretty cool. Like I I have a long history with Arrow, I guess. So Tom hadn't seen it. He had only seen bits and pieces. He's heard me talk about it for years. So we actually just started a rewatch of season one of Arrow this week. I got to tell you, it still holds up. It's a really well done show. Back when we were still doing 22, 23, 24 episodes of a show a season, it, it holds up. It's a, it's a good story. It's well done. Well done. Well told. The first five seasons that they had kind of charted out, you know, re retelling Oliver's escape from the island, et cetera, et cetera, and mixing that in sort of lost style into the modern timeline was really excellently done compared to all of the seasons that came after where the melodrama really kind of picked up. But that first season, I recall as being like Oliver particularly brutal <laughs> with his with his vigilante duties. That really struck a chord with me when I watched it. I was like, yes, yes, that's what you do with these bad people. You shoot an arrow through their through their neck and you don't apologize. And that's what he was like. And then after that, when they started figuring out like, well, if you soften it up and you add people like the Flash, who's kind of a wimp and these other things that are softer, then, then maybe we can extend this thing out a little bit, which is what they wound up doing. But that first season, 
I thought was super raw and cool to watch. Very dark compared to the rest. Very violent. I mean, he he killed without compunction. He he was working from his list. And yeah, it's really the death of Tommy and what happens in the Glades at the end of season one. Spoilers for a 10-year-old show. You know, really changed his outlook. And I think they even do a good job of that going into season two, explaining why he has to find another way to do what he was doing. Because also he's building out his team then, right? This is the end of season one. And then really in season two, everyone starts to learn his identity, right? They, they, they really build out the whole team. <laughs> season right. one was interesting too, because they actually really laid the groundwork for the flash, which yeah, uh, where is yeah. It, where is it? maybe it's beginning of season two, but did, there are reports like in the background news reports about star labs getting ready to open in central city and people are protesting it. It's not safe. It's a danger. And if you watch a flash, like that's kind of all comes to pass. So Berlanti and Guggenheim really did a great job of, creating a world using arrow who was really a very batman-esque type oh yeah for sure i mean it's the same i mean it's a rich guy vigilante has in in the comics anyway he uses trick arrows and and that kind of thing but which he does in the show too but he's a little more funny in the comics is is well, my yeah take, doesn't he i mean feeling. he has like a an arrow with like a fist on it <laughs> right but th- this uh, you know a mel's arrow green arrow is very serious he's very bruce wayne as bad like, where is she like that's very much his vibe uh and without a batman show on the air they were able to do that they were able to kind of put those very serious quality it's a very much a drama it has humor but they saved the humor for flash and then really for legends of tomorrow arrow mm-hmm. was a serious drama crime drama that told like a family story it it holds up if if you are looking for a superhero show to watch can't recommend it enough to go back and relive it some of the cgi looks particularly horrendous has not aged well but i don't think maybe even looked great in 2012 though either there's like one scene where a sword goes through a guy's chest and even tom who never calls out this thing he's like that sword looks so fake it, it you know it's it's like a polygon like n64 pixel like polygon thing from like the late 90s sticking out of a guy's chest so well tom has some great shit coming i mean man all that uh league of assassins stuff is still to come yeah they're just getting it we're just ending season one going into season two with the uh the league of assassins and sarah coming back and introducing raisha ghoul and and uh, talia ghoul great stuff good stuff coming up tommy's dad is a great villain Mm -hmm. for most of the time yep most of the time and and if you ever have a chance to see john barrowman do his kind of talk live at comic-con i would take it he's uh <laughs> he's a pretty amusing guy in he real is, life he is the life of the party in every room he walks into for sure uh and even even the doctor who spinoff stuff torchwood yeah i mean even even there where really he made his name is uh worth going and watching so but uh caroline you were watching gilmore girls again Always. another another um, what re-watch? am i not watching gilmore girls really it's on is it really just for comfort? Time. What's what's the draw to rewatching it over and over again? Because I know there are a lot of Gilmore girls and guys out there. What's it for you that brings you back to it time and again? Oh, I think it is a it is a comfort show. It's one of those shows that have familiar music and and like you know it's a whole 
era for me of like where I was in my own life and what I was doing. And it kind of brings me back there. And I don't know, it makes me happy. It makes me feel comfortable. And, and just, I think the majority of the jokes hold up. The majority of the plots hold up. There's things here and there when I, I cringe a little bit that I'm like, oh, we don't say that stuff anymore. But for the most part, it's it's funny. It makes me relax, I guess, generally. I know I've introduced it to you recently. What do you think? I like it. I see why it's so beloved. I agree with you. Some of the jokes haven't aged very well. I think the show is interesting because all of the characters have serious flaws, but also all have bright spots that you hold on to. There's no just always good character. There's no just always that person is bad character, which I think makes it something you can identify with. I think that's the attraction of the show is you can find life life experiences that you can identify with. Even if it's not the exact experience, the people and the tropes that are playing out, I think are something that you can experience. Parents that are bartering to weasel their way into your life or mother-daughter or father-son relationships, you know, the, the parental-child relationships, working with coworkers who are insane. There are things there that you can identify with easily that makes it feel comforting all the quirky townspeople and all of the the various plot lines of all the festivals and the funny wacky adventures that they have like always make me smile and laugh amy and dan would tell whatever jokes you think are bad or out of step or out of fashion i think they would still tell them amy has a history as a writer on roseanne dan has a history of being uh, like a consultant on the family guy like years and years and years when Seth MacFarlane explained how he became a guest star on Gilmore Girls, it was that it was like a favor from Dan or for Dan or something like that. It was like he helped him make his show. So he thought he'd drop in on the on Dan's show. So whatever you think about the appropriateness level of jokes, given that pedigree. Um, <laughs> well, there there is there is a level of crassness in some of it and some of it that is borderline, you know, like we really don't say that kind of stuff. Um, which well, is, Year in a Life had some fat shaming in it, which is totally like did. not OK anymore. But you know what? If they make Year in a Life today. I bet they put some fat shaming in it. You that, think so? That's just their sensibility. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think it is. I mean, having met Amy, you know, at ATX, I definitely think that that is her type of humor, you know, and so that is well, what is what she's going to shows, about. right? I mean, yeah, the same jokes that they're making in Gilmore Girls, you can you find in like Maisel. Or bunheads, right. yeah. Or or bunheads, yeah. Mm-hmm, so totally. It's... And so, yeah, you have to you have to like their their type of humor, which I do. I think that the town itself of Stars Hollow is a character unto itself and has its own draw to a lot of young women. I think that it I think it hits whatever part of your heart that would enjoy going to that small Vermont town and meeting the man in plaid who you know runs like the pie store or whatever. It's like the same thing across the board. It's that same Hallmark movie coziness feel with much more of an edge that I love. Well, they also did great world building with the show, which is not what you would think of with Gilmore Girls, which you, you think of much more as, as a family drama, right? A la, say, something like Parenthood. Or a low budget show from what was it? Did it start on the UPN like, and then it was CW? Like CW and, yeah. and all that. Yeah. Yeah. But you feel like Taylor, his world is going on even if he's not on screen. Kirk is doing something crazy as one of his 15,000 jobs when he's not on screen. Luke is being gruff and grumpy serving coffee when he's not on screen. It's a world that feels like it very much exists whether or not you're actually watching it exist. 
that's something that attracts me to a TV show. I like world building. I like a show that takes the time to put you in there so you can sit there and think when you're not watching an episode. I wonder what's happening right now. Mm-hmm, you know, like right. what what did what's Lane's Lorelai mom and sell Rory today? talking about? Right. What did Lane's mom sell today? You know, and negotiate with someone at the antique <laughs> store. You know, like it's uh, that's a thing you can think about because I wonder how they many Gilmore Girls job. fans sit around and think about Lane's mom selling things. That's very funny. I I do have to say that the longevity of the show has absolutely i mean it's it's legit like when we when we just went to the wb backlot and did the tours and they were doing the gilmore girls holiday festival and it was fantastic and i loved it and i cried because did i had to be it and, smells like snow uh i did not but i was too busy That's crying and, and being a baby about the whole thing just i loved it i loved well you could walk around in the shops you could walk around in lorelei's house um they convert stuff into like gift shops so it's not exactly the same as it was but it's still really overwhelming as a Gilmore Girls fan you're like this is amazing like to be able to walk around sit in the gazebo you know have a Luke's coffee you all those things i still have the little sleeve that says Luke's on it from my coffee cup all that kind of stuff like i loved it highly recommend if you guys are a Gilmore Girls fan and you're listening to us Go to California and do the WB Christmas Gilmore Girls Fest. It was so awesome. It's only for a week and it may not. And that's only, I bet that's a year by year thing that they decide how long it's going to be, when it's going to be, et cetera, et cetera. So if you like that kind of thing, pay attention and don't take it for granted. But I I saw that like Scott Patterson who plays Luke showed up one day and like, wowed the tour people and then you know i saw that i think also Reenie bell and some other people who were in it who play like lulu were there like walking around talking to people i mean that it's like blows your mind you know that you're well, like fact that, i mean I'm scott patterson's still doing it's 2023 and scott patterson's still doing a podcast about it because so here's the deal with him he had never watched any of the shows right. so he's doing this as like a i'm gonna watch along with you guys and comment on every episode what i see and stuff I think he's smart to do it. Scotty P's coffee is like a whole thing. They were selling it at the WB lot. So he's figuring out a way to make some money on Gilmore Girls. Finally, what took him so long? I don't know. Uh, yeah, well, he's got a lot of strong opinions, too. You read the reviews on the podcast, and it, it's interesting how people perceive the man behind Luke. Mm. Um, so, Well, I he definitely has opinions probably, about the show, too, that are not all positive, so. for sure. Well, he's not very yeah, actory, sure. you know, like when you see him in interviews and stuff right. like that. Like there's a certain level of polish that, say, Ryan Reynolds has because he has like, say, a very natural charisma where the guy just can't seem to say anything wrong. Just everything he says you love. And then there's other people that come off like I have rehearsed everything that I'm going to say. So it sounds perfect. I'm not going to name any names there because I can't think of one. But you know who I'm talking about. You know, like you're you're a plastic type persona. And then there's people like Scotty P. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> who pretty much shoot from the hip. He, you know, he came, he was an athlete as a younger man. Right, um, well, he played ball professionally for, for yes. a bunch of years. And he, yeah, got into acting and I don't know, he just he just very much comes off as somebody that does not have that, what would my agent think of this filter? And also doesn't have that Ryan Reynolds perfect charisma level either. So you either like him or you have a, a strong opinion about him. Uh, here's a hot take that maybe a lot of people don't share. I actually like A Year in a Life, and I think the final one, Fall, is one of the best hour and a halves of the series taken all together. I totally love A Year in the Life and have zero like issue. I love the musical. I love all the parts to it that people have complaints about. I think when you're a long-term fan, like I am, I feel like 
it was such a gift to get that year in the life. Like when it happened, I stayed up all night. I stayed up until she it did. came on. I watched the entire thing the moment it hit streaming. And then and the second it was over, I, I started it over again. By the time I woke up, she'd seen it twice. <laughs> because I that I loved it. I consume what the Paladinos make like so heartily and happily that I, I just I love it very, very much. And I'm so glad that I get a chance to rewatch it and ro- watch it with my kids and share it with friends. I'm glad you like it, Mike. It makes me happy. So let's put you on the spot here. Who who should have Lorelai ended up with, if anyone? Who should Rory have ended up with, if anyone? Oh, well, Rory, she she falls down under the... uh, She probably deserves to be alone currently. (laughs) She's got to figure herself out. She doesn't know what's going on in her little life yet. She's having the baby. But, you know, she hasn't figured that out yet, though, is the point, is Mm. where we left her. We left her in this this no man's land. give you a second to, to guess, Mike, of all of the teams for which the WB Tour was handing out buttons if you made a purchase. Mm-hmm. You could get a Team Logan, a Team Jess, or a Team Dean. Which button do you think that they ran out of first? Well, my guess would be Team Jess. That is correct. So then that is definitely the predominant thinking. I'm, I'm cool with I Jess, and with I'm that, cool with Logan, but... actually. I'm cool with either of those two for her, yeah. because I think she would have challenges and battles with both. Here's the thing with Rory. And, and, and no one asked. Here's the thing. <laughs> no one asked for my opinion. You, you, neither of you have asked. What did you think? But here's the thing. I did uh, ask J- what you thought. She wants to be with Jess because Jess represents who Rory thinks she is. Logan represents who Rory actually is. And that's why she should actually be with Logan. She should have actually accepted his proposal. They probably would have had a decent life together. I actually think Logan had matured. I think as far as especially males in that show, who most of which had really bad arcs or didn't really learn very much. I think Logan had the lowest starting point and the highest end points as so far as he treated Rory. And I think he represented what she, who she actually was. She was a privileged kid. She did like the privileged lifestyle that her grandparents represented. She was not the, the Kerouac, you know, repudiate the money person that, she, that, that artist soul that Jess represents that she wants to think she is. It's not actually who she was. She was an entitled kid. That's my I, I agree with it. that. You're, you're totally correct on that. When it comes to Lorelai, She's a tougher one because I think, Mm. you know, she could have been happy with Max, I think. I think that that could have actually been a pretty easygoing relationship. It always really was, but she just decided she wasn't in love with him. Luke is, like, more like an old ratty blanket or something, you know, that, like, keeps you warm, but, like, it serves very practical purposes. And I love Luke. I, I I really do, even though he's a grump and even though he really does not grow. I mean, it bothers me a lot in Year in the Life when he, like, snaps at Lorelai about not wanting to, like, let her help out with April and stuff like that. I was like, are you for real? Like, you're still behaving like this? I think there'd be an awful lot of fighting if that, I was in Lorelai's shoes. That's probably the biggest stupid problem with A Year in the Life is just that the script wasn't adapted to the actual amount of time that elapsed for the people right. between, between the end of the show and when they shot A Year in the Life. That story belonged 10 years prior in all of those people's lives. So all of their attitudes, all of the fact that Rory is basically an Ivy League failure at that point in her life 
it's okay if she's 25, but if she's 35, it's like, what? You've written an article this whole time? <laughs> right. What? Right. No, you're right. You're right. And and the stories were probably, like you said, already there in some form or fashion. And then just so much time elapsed. You know, they didn't, they didn't do it. And it just sat there until Netflix picked it up. And that is the type of thing where, like, unfortunately – Timing wise, had it been where she was only in her young 20s and again, had Luke and Lorelai only been together a couple of years, they could have still been working things out. But you're right. Like when you come to this point and you're like, wait, you're still arguing like you guys haven't <laughs> worked out how you deal with the kids. You're 60 years old, man. <laughs> <laughs> they're at least in their they're in their 50s, their late 50s. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, you would have thought by then they would have a little better grasp on how to deal with stuff. But ultimately, I like them together. But I think that it is one of those things where Lorelai is probably not being her full self when she's with him, which is not not a great thing. I see what Lorelai gets out of being in a relationship with Luke. This is a question I, I've seen on Reddit and I've seen on the internet since watching the show and and, and kind of deep diving into it. The question, <laughs> always, the, the, the question that always comes up is, what does Luke get out of being with Lorelai? Other than she's the only attractive woman. I was about to say, she's the hottest her. girl in town. And it's like but, the only one in his age range. Right. Like, it's not competitive, though. It's not like. It's not competitive. <laughs> it's, there, she's the only one. Like, there are no other. You know, well, in the year in life, there are no other mid 40s aged ladies. She is the Stars Hollow 10. <laughs> By default, there's nothing else. <laughs> But Babette? I mean, Miss <laughs> Patty? Uh, who? I, I, we've run out of females. Like, like, Mrs. Kim? We, we, who, in fact, does have a husband, as it turns out? <laughs> We're out of ladies. Like, that aside, what does he get out of that relationship with her? I, I'm down on Luke and Lorelai as a couple a lot. But when she comes home from doing The Wild book not movie and she's given a speech and he thinks that she's getting ramping up to break up with him and he says god damn it Lorelai!" and he'd like he does like this bam bam motion with his arms and then he goes on this whole monologue about how they belong together and stuff i was like i that's the only time i really believe those two being together that moment right there and then i love the reflecting light montage at the end and when they elope and stuff like that like all of that i'm like all right I, these two okay but up until that moment of how many hours seven seasons worth of television six hours worth of a year in the life until that moment i don't get it they're more like friends who move into like these comfortable companions yeah. And that's really what it ends as, which which in many ways, I think Lorelai is completely fine with having right. a comfortable companion. She well, doesn't necessarily food. she doesn't He's... necessarily want anyone who challenges her. She no. actually doesn't really like that. Actively. But that's OK. Like Max and, and all the other people that she, she had tended to challenge her and question her. And she didn't right. love that. So she right. found a guy who pretty much just just went along and his whole thing was i just want to see you happy that's what he would say all the time like i i just like it when you're happy he's apathetic germany cricket he's like you wore that i, I just restarted the show he's like oh you're rewatching he goes in the second episode uh, the uh, uh the uh, lorelei's first day at children yep you wore that you wore that but then he just kind of shrugs right that's always what it is with Luke. he kind of he kind she, of like but you know what if you're a crazy woman like Lorelai if you find a man who will take you as you are and doesn't tell you 
that you're like a bad person for having worn those jean shorts to the school and doesn't like treat you like shit for the rest of the day because you like didn't get your dry cleaning like guess what that's still a win for like a lot of women they're like just let me be who i am and let me do whatever i want to do the only trouble luke really runs into is when he tries to change or control who Lorelai is like the stuff with april and being well tamping her down that's right 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 right. hiding her bushel under any sort of uh hiding her her light under under any sort of bushel she don't like to be under no bushels she does not want to and he gets himself (laughs) into so much fucking trouble but you know i mean they break up and then she she bangs christopher like (gasps) that night be telling all the secrets this is a that you guys i want you guys to go oh you stop i want you guys to go watch the show i am going to laugh God damn right it, now. we need to do a gilmore girls podcast listen to me <laughs> i am gonna laugh so hard because we watched three amazing gangster mafia movies of which we talked about for like one minute <laughs> like these are like academy award-winning level movies and then now we just talked about like the intricacies of luke and laurel <laughs> for like 20 minutes so I love it. I, and that is exactly why, y'all, if you're out there and you're like, I've never picked it up. I've never seen it. I don't know anything about it. Go turn it on Netflix because I tell you, if you can get Caroline and you can get Mike, who have two very different sensibilities about what they watch on TV every night, then you know there must be some magic to it. Go watch it. Uh, let's get to what we're watching. Caroline checks notes. Watching Prices Right with <laughs> Drew Carey. <laughs> okay, so here's the deal. Middle kid loves anything that has an MC. Okay. If there is an award show, if there's a parade, if there's a circus, if there's anything where there's an announcer, she is in love. And so she has found the prices right. And she had the, the goal to say to me, mom, have you ever seen this show? <laughs> and I'm like, the price is right. Yeah. I've seen this show. Uh, it's like the only thing to do when you're sick is you have to lay on the couch and watch price is right. So I have been rewatching the price is right with through little guy eyes, right? Through, through another set of eyes. And I just love it. I love it so much. I have been like mocking the contestants. I'm like, oh, you think protein drinks cost $5.99? Oh my God. Like you are an absolute joke. Like I have so much fun with it. When they, they're showing the prizes and someone gets a boat, I'm like, who wants a boat? Like this person lives in Minnesota. I don't even know how they're going to get the boat home. It's a land of 10,000 likes. Well, not the point. <laughs> the point is, how is she going to get this boat home? We're just making all these jokes. Like, it's it's really funny. And just, I, I lo- Drew Carey did a great job of, you know, we're all going to love Bob forever. But he, he filled some shoes there. And uh, they even are mixing it up. I don't even know if you guys realize. Do you know that they have co-ed models now? There's men who come out and show off some of the products. It's 2023. It I know. Are it's y'all wowed? And Drew actually right. acknowledges them by their first and last names. Like, like they're like, sh- yes, the models. I mean, like they're people. <laughs> Remember when instead Bob had Barker's beauties? This yeah. is very different. This is very different. This is co-ed and they actually talk back to him and and like interact and stuff. Totally different. I, You guys, if you haven't watched Prices Right in a while, I'm really telling you, it's a blast. I had so much fun. And if you have someone who can watch it with you and sit there and laugh and joke about like, oh, my God, what are they possibly bidding? Like, oh, you think that's how much it costs to go to Greece? Like, I am all over it. I feel like Uh, I've researched everything. 
and I feel like there's a Gilmore Girls crossover here just to connect our dots. A Gilmore Girls Price is Right episode? Well, uh, Michelle, he goes on The Price is Right. Yeah, and he, and he the won the RV. He wins the RV. <laughs> See? He wants, and he, he had no... $100,000 cash, but they said he could... He had no idea that. what to do with that RV, right? See? Point of my story with the lady in the Minnesota in the boat. It was the same thing where you're like, what is this person going to do with this boat? But, like, amazing. It's fun, you guys. I know everybody's seen Prices Right, but if you haven't, if for some reason you haven't, or you just I, haven't been in a so while, long since I've watched any shows like that, go turn in, it on. You will love it. Know, revisit the old youth. I don't know how much uh, stuff costs. I mean, what eggs? That's like a showcase item now. Yeah, right? those are because fifteen dollars now. It's yeah. like it's like fifteen. So you could actually win eggs in the showcase. You can win. Yeah. A chicken, you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, Paul, <laughs> no tier have Japanese horror anime on Netflix. Yes. <laughs> Going to need a little more detail than that. At the time, you didn't remember the name of it. Well, I still don't remember it. It's something, (laughs) it's an anthology show on Netflix that came out a couple weeks ago, and it is all either uh, single or double episodes of just one-off horror stories told through anime-style animation. Oh, I do. I need to know the title is because that would be something I actually I would watch. It is literally something like, (laughs) like Japanese macabre stories or something like that yeah i mean they are horrific they are terrifying if you're into that genre i give them a chance and and since they're an anthology if you don't like one just just go to the next and 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 uh pick and choose what you like people don't probably realize actually netflix has a ton of anime of all different sorts available to watch uh if you're a fan of demon slayer which actually is an anime that i like uh, they just loaded the Mugen arc, uh, the Mugen train arc onto Netflix, which was a standalone movie last year or like maybe a year and a half ago now. Um, but they split up for the anime TV purposes into, I think, six episodes, maybe eight episodes. Um, and they just loaded that up. So uh, t- Tom and I watch a ton of anime because he's really into it. So we actually have subscriptions to like Crunchyroll and Funimation. But yeah. every now and then you go you go over to uh, Netflix for, for something. So well, somehow, for somewhere some along stuff. the way, you know, Netflix decided to really double down with anime by importing some, not even bothering to translate it. Well, they've got the live action One Piece coming out, which for There's those that. that don't know, uh, One Piece is one of the longest running uh, mangas, Japanese comic book, but actually one of the longest running television shows. It's over a thousand episodes now, I think, like the Japanese version of the of the cartoon of the actual anime show. It's funny, though, Netflix run, they have the censored version of the show. So like no cigarettes, no guns, that kind of thing. So it's actually horrible. Don't watch One Piece, the anime on Netflix, but do watch the TV show, which is coming out uh, this year. They just dropped uh, the first character teaser art for One Piece. What's nuts about Netflix, to me anyway, and their anime is that a they make a lot of their own which is interesting but b they do a lot of live action adaptations and the best i've ever seen one actually received was like maybe half the fans say yeah i liked that which is weird because they keep trying given that these things aren't free and the reaction is never overwhelmingly positive unless you can think of one mike i mean i liked the cowboy bebop one but a lot thought that that was yeah i i I liked it i I only watched the first two episodes because by the time i got to it they had actually canceled it so yeah then i lost my interest in watching it unfortunately Uh, but i wasn't a fan of the anime though so okay 
Oh, I didn't know the anime. I, I like I was aware of it as a thing that existed, but I had never really watched the anime. So I didn't go in with it that it had to look or feel or smell like it, which I mean, this is the thing with adaptations, right? When you're adapting anime into live action or video games, like our conversation last week about Last of Us, adapting that into a video game, into a TV show, how familiar you are with the source material is going to affect how open a mind you have good for good or for bad it, it definitely affects it so and i think people just shit over cowboy bebop because they love the anime so so much or most of the criticism came from people who love the anime um and i don't i don't know that they would have been happy with anything no if it's an impossible right? crowd to, to please right right and that's the problem is so do you keep making it do you does do you try and keep doing these live action apparently you adaptations? do <laughs> Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, I saw the Death Note movie. It made about as much sense as the as the TV show did. Another adaptation that we're tracking is, like you just mentioned, The Last of Us. And this week, like you mentioned, the trick with a- adapting something is where do you add your own voice? Where do you where do you expand? Where do you contract? And this right. this week's episode was an expansion from the source material. That, as far as I can see, scored kind of a perfect 10 with people with loud voices, at least on on the Internet. I think the only people not happy with what they did with the Bill and Frank story are the purists from the game who aren't going to be happy with anything the show does that steps outside of an exact one for one adaptation because bill and frank you don't get the origin story and background in the game that you get with them in this episode and by the way they told the story it dramatically changes the bill and frank experience from the game versus how it's going to go forward in the tv show so if you're a game purist you're never going to be happy with anything they do with stepping outside of the box and you were not happy with this and homophobes, which unfortunately <laughs> there are too many of them still out there that don't want to hear, don't want to see, and don't want to watch queer stories. This was, I mean, Offerman, Nick Offerman, and Murray Bartlett playing Bill and Frank, one of the great love stories ever contained in an hour of television. This episode, it it, it will win awards. It will be nominated for writing. Offerman and Murray Bartlett. One or both of them will be nominated for guest starring Emmys next season, and they should. You could probably watch it even without if even if you're not watching the show, you could watch this episode and still get the love story out of it. And I think it's that well done. But the way they weaved it into the story, the larger Joel and Ellie story also, I think, was really smart. And it got them where they needed to be. They got to tell this love story. It checks all the boxes. I love it. I loved it so much. Except for geography purists who note that um, (laughs) 10 miles west of Boston, there are no piney woods with craggy mountains off in the distance. Right. Those vistas don't exist in uh, in, in west of Boston, maybe in Vermont, but, uh, but not west of Boston, 10 miles west of Boston. Uh, in fact, it was shot 2,000 miles west of Boston, not 10, <laughs> right. as it turned out. So. <laughs> it looks like it was shot in Wyoming. Do you guys watch Celebrity Jeopardy? I don't know. I, I know we all probably watch Jeopardy in some to some extent. I think it's our it, preferred variety around here, actually. <laughs> I love a good Celebrity Jeopardy. Uh, Ike Barinholtz won Celebrity Jeopardy this year, so we want to say congratulations to old Ike. I thought that was particularly funny, and I put it in the notes because you guys were just doing the Mindy Project rewatch last week. We so. just finished it. We just watched the finale a couple of days ago, and it was it was sad, and I thought for a minute, am I just going to start picking random episodes? Like, I'm a little lost. Like, 
I don't quite know. There's that void in my life of like, this is what we put on at the nighttime. It, it got to you that well. It, 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 Listen it to you. You're like, you. hold up a second. No, no, no. I, I'm just because people, you don't, it's not in one of those shows in the conversation. It's not a show that you hear people talk about, like they rewatch Gilmore Girls or they rewatch West Wing or, you know, they, you know, it, you don't hear people picking up the Mindy Project. So I'm curious, <laughs> with it all said and done, uh-huh. was it worth it? I mean, it sounds like it was. Okay, so but- listen, here's the deal. Mindy and Danny have the same type of problematic relationships that I feel like we see with Luke and Lorelai, right? There's a lot of control issues there. A lot of like, you kind of got this wacky woman and then you've got this like very straight laced guy who's got his very curmudgeon kind of attitude. It's a very similar dynamic. And Mindy herself is a very similar dynamic with Lorelai. Like looking at Lorelai, like very cuckoo crows and, and just, and just silly things that she says and just, you know, the things she eats and then the things she does and everything. All of her stuff is very similar actually to Lorelai. So it's probably, if you watch some episodes, you would probably very quickly find that Ike plays a character who uh, is very like Kirk who is just like always doing these antiquey things. If they and- made Kirk the the every B story of a Gilmore Girls episode, then that would be the level of Morgan. Yeah. Yeah, Morgan is the nurse and so it's and it's her nurse. And so the they their dynamic is very similar. So I give it a try. Really give it a try. But you know what? I gotta say, Ike did very, very well. When the episodes that we watched of Celebrity Jeopardy, I know he won the whole thing. But I mean he really won the whole thing. There were people who made like two hundred dollars on those episodes and and he was like cleaning whole categories. Like, I mean, he was stellar at the game. So excellent work for him. Well, he was a producer on the show, like a writer room level producer on the show. So he might be one of those like um, smart guys, <laughs> you know, those, perform- those well, those performers that, that they come off goofy on camera when it's time to be goofy. But that is a, like a highly honed performance, you know, mm-hmm. I believe that it's totally like a persona for him to be like that. He makes the rounds on the improv comedy podcast that I listen to, and he's he's actually decently active in the improv community, uh, just based on where I see him pop up on things. And he's always very quick. He's very quick. He's very funny. He's good on his feet. He he yes ands really well. Um, so it doesn't surprise me that he's got that kind of level of intelligence. Well, and some of it, like you said, just being quick. That's like half the the battle with Jeopardy because the especially celebrity Jeopardy because those people would say like after the fact they'd be like oh I knew that but they like right. just didn't even attempt to push their button or anything and he would just like push it every time just like bam 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 he was he was really really good and I love celebrity Jeopardy because all the questions are so much easier there was an episode a couple weeks ago Kids that Jeopardy you guys somewhere like what Jeopardy. is your name well I remember you had you had <laughs> uh, interviewed Priyan Howie for something at Comic Con. And I just saw her on something like a preview for Georgia and Ginny. Is that her show? And she's a pretty freaking good actress in terms of translating emotion (laughs) from the script to her face and body and what she says and how she says it. However, when it comes to Jeopardy, she might have been in the red. She just really got flustered a lot and really couldn't. But yeah, yeah. And, and, and actually that was like her lead up to, to being on the show was that, that her dad was like a longtime Jeopardy watcher and that he told her that she might not want to go on to Jeopardy. 
Wow. Yeah. Also, the subtext there is don't embarrass the family. Ooh, uh, probably. She was yes. she was very flustered. But here's the thing. I would say 80% of the celebrities that were on there were flustered. Like they were like, I don't think my button's working. I don't know what's well, happening. Well, the button Where not working I? is a standard of celebrity yeah, jeopardy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody's got yeah. a bitch about the, the button. But I mean, just I, I actually knew the answers, though. And the amount of times that when the question would be like, what state were you born in? And like, no one would even ring in. And you're like, what is happening? Come on, guys. They just didn't want to be wrong. They didn't want to try. Up yours, Trebek. <laughs> Basically. Those interviews that I did for the passage uh, at New York Comic Con still get actually decent hits on YouTube, compare, considering that they are five years old now, six years old. That um, was going to be the- a fantastic show that just just needed a little room. It needed room, and it's sci-fi on network television. It was really the death knell of sci-fi or high fantasy concepts on network television, and I don't know that anyone's really given a show a chance since then. It was a great show. It was it was a really well-done show. It was, uh, it was probably the best Mark Paul Gossler that we've gotten ever. He was a good lead. He carried the show well. Brienne was great in it. It was a good cast. It was a good cast. It was a great premise, and Fox just did not give it the room. The thing is that everything after the finale was going to be completely different, completely different, because it was going to be in the future. There were going to be the virals, which were basically vampires. It was shaping up to be Mad Max with vampires. Because that was what the books, that was the books that it was based on, right? Then there was a time jump in those. Yes. The the guy who wrote the books was a professor at Rice here in Houston. So um, that's why so much of it takes place in Texas and Houston and, and all that is because it's the area that he knew. Anyway, but you can go uh, check out Brienne on uh, Ginny and Georgia on Netflix, the millennials guy version of Gilmore Girls. So, you know, on our outline here, it says the arc and I was up last night because I couldn't go to sleep. So I flipped on the arc and oh, I can only take about <laughs> 20 minutes of it. But yeah. I, I would like to congratulate the high school class from 1998 that did the uh, visual effects. That was some really great stuff. So the effects are not great on the show. No, uh, they're not. In case that was too deep a cut. Yeah, they're shit. They're terrible. Oh, my God. Uh, and the, the, here's the thing. I like Dean Devlin. I'm an apologist for him. I like his shows. Roland Emmerich, right? The, the, the end of the world stuff. Yeah, I mean, he's uh, the outpost. My one of my favorite shows of the last twenty years, The Librarians, uh, with Noah Wiley. Uh, that was him. That's like his thing. Like, I'm a big fan of Dean Devlin, and I will say, I watched the first several episodes of the of the arc because we have access to it on screeners, and the acting settles down. Uh, the the <laughs> okay. acting is 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 really overdone in this first episode. It's it's very like first take at like a first rehearsal of a very young cast kind of takes that they were using. It's a lot. I almost didn't continue with it. The acting settles down. The story is interesting. So I I think the story is interesting. I actually think the idea of these people who have the skill sets, but they were not ready for primetime being thrust into this crisis situation. The question of, you have to be the best version of yourself. You don't have a choice. You, you you have to for all of us to survive. I think it's an interesting thing to play out. And I love sci-fi and I want any kind of sci-fi to have a chance to run because I think it gets so maligned. The first episode in isolation by itself, if you don't have one, two or three to like watch at once and kind of get sucked in a little bit, rough. 
rough. I, I, the acting is a lot. There, there's a really over the top. It's a very young cast. It's a cast made up of almost no one famous, and it's very young. The cast is very, very young and very green. Like you said, the effects were like, oh my god, and then the acting was like, and I'm supposed oh to, my god, and, and then the next thing was like, oh my god, and I'm supposed to believe like all these twenty five year olds are the are the key to everything. What? And I was like, oh Here, my god. Here's the thing: when I watched it on the effects thing, I thought that because it's because it's screeners. I thought maybe I saw this on Peacock, yo. This is the deal. This is what they were showing to everybody. So I'm I'm a little nervous to see what the finished product was and to see that maybe they didn't, in fact, change it. They look like animatics. I I mean, poor. It's rough. It's rough. But <laughs> but here's the thing, though. Sci-fi cancels all the shows anyway. So sci-fi, yeah. the channel devoted to giving sci-fi a place to live and breathe never gives any of its shows really uh, a chance to live and breathe. So it'll Battlestar Galactica from 20 years ago has stronger effects than this brand new show by yeah. far. Yeah. But uh, I see I effects bother me less. I, I know they I Battlestar know they Galactica from 1978. Oh, come on now. <laughs> too far. Too far, Paul Daly. Too far. It's not that bad. It's not that bad. But but it's not good. But I see, that doesn't take me out of the story. I notice it. I, I, I kind of rack it in the back of my brain. For me, the the acting, though, really was an issue in the first one. And and like I said, it settles down there <laughs> as, a little listen, more. Listen, as just a listener of you two, I'm like, this show sounds like shit. Move on. <laughs> Every single part of it sounds bad. Move on. Once you're seven episodes in, it starts to right, and they and they use like <laughs> the, the are still bad, and they use but... like green crayons to make the green screen. Like well, I like Dean so much. God damn it! I don't want to like pay Mike, this, this shows. Isn't I know. Out for give us. You'll money. have to do something else. He's gonna have to do something else. This, this, this is this is not gonna be it. I don't know. But I what the fuck do I know though? I laughed out loud when I watched La Brea uh, the first episode. That was like terrible. I oh no, we all hated La Brea. We were, I was like, what is this and, show? Oh, it's so stupid. Oh, and Manifest. We remember yes, we all laughed Manifest. at Manifest. I went like, to the mat on Manifest. I was like, this yeah. is the dumbest show, and and the acting is awful and that show had a fucking successful yeah. six like save our show campaign it's killing it I worked know. I know. Save, save our show campaigns never work and that did for manifest and i remember i remember that explosion in the first episode was so bad <laughs> listeners long time ago we were all on radio together and this was a radio rant on for the manifest i was like manifest is horrible i will i, mean, yeah, we I will like, go to my grave go anywhere <laughs> and, and here we are like the people are like i can't believe it's ending like holding like fucking funerals and shit for it and i'm like, like i really? can't believe it's still going on i can't believe it but la brea getting renewed for season three season no, three season two shut up that's it so just, it wrong got, it was like a couple weeks ago that show i laughed i i i don't watch hate watch shows i thought it was so bad i was like i hope they all die i hope a fucking dinosaur oh eats them god. all <laughs> like oh my god it was so fucking bad and, and, and now it was season three what what? No. So who knows? Maybe I'm, the arc is the greatest piece of television ever made. I don't no. know. We're in a lull. I mean, <laughs> Paul's like, no, that is incorrect. We are we are in a spot right now where we are waiting for the Succession and Yellow Jackets and the uh, what's the the church one? John Goodman. Oh, um, Adam um, Divine. The gem, 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 oh, job, right, righteous gemstones, righteous gemstones. Gem, 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 gem. Um, I mean, <laughs> with James Gunn having more responsibilities these days, Peacemaker Two is not coming out 
for a long time. Oh, what a segue, though, though, because James Gunn held a little press conference this week, Paul, where he announced the first slate of television, films and video game ideas for the cohesive DC universe. And one of the shows announced is Waller, which is going to be tied as a spinoff to Peacemaker. Yeah, but someone else is going to run that show. Um, But with that's it's it's interesting how he's having to how to. Pick and choose it out to people. Well, yeah, but he has to choose which threads from like the Snyder verse are going to come forward. Right. Like (laughs) the the Waller from the original Suicide Squad carried forward into his The Suicide Squad and carried forward into Peacemaker, which will now carry forward into Waller. Right. But other things like Henry Cavill's Superman will not. Or or Pattinson, Robert Pattinson's The Batman Two, which is which is going forward. So it is so. Let's take a step back. So with James Gunn taking over DC Studios with Peter Safran, I believe his name is. I think um, that's right. They are running the DC universe now, and so they have this plan where they are putting together a cohesive, a la Marvel style, connected universe where the things that are deemed within it will be canon and will all connect to each other. So in this press conference uh, this week, he announced 10 projects that are a mix of movies, television, and I think animated series uh, that will all be official canon DC Universe shows. Shows like Creature Commandos, which is a seven-episode animated series. Waller, which Viola Davis is going to you know reprise the role that she's now played for years at this point of Amanda Waller. Um, there's Superman Legacy, which is a movie that's going to come out in 2025. It's going to be an in-DC universe Superman versus Henry Cavill's. Uh, Lanterns, which is going to be a Greg Berlanti show, even though Berlanti has basically been removed from the DC universe, this show is actually going to go forward. It's essentially the the description of it was true detective, but with two Green Lanterns, Hal Jordan and uh, Stewart. They're basically going to be like the Woody Harrelson and other guy from like the first season of True Detective, basically doing crime on Earth uh, as the Green Lanterns. Yeah, there's a couple of shows. The Authority, something called Paradise Lost, Brave and the Bold, which is going to be the introduce the DCU Batman, which will be the same Batman now kind of going forward. Are you um, a Green Lantern, Lantern guy? Do you know Green Lantern? I read the Green Lantern comics periodically. Sometimes Tom and I will go grab like an anthology collected series and I'll read uh. through them. And I always like them when I read them, but I don't follow them religiously enough. How's like the OG but it almost seems like Guy Gardner would have been a little more, I don't know, interesting on on TV in that kind of buddy cop setup. If you did watch, like, the particularly I'm thinking of the first season of True Detective, if that's the pitch, then he'd be much more like the Woody Harrelson, you know, like the fiery punch first, ask questions later kind of guy than Hal. Hal's, I don't know, he's got that, that test pilot mentality that kind of might associate with him isn't. To, I, I, he kind of evens out <laughs> once he's once he's Green Lantern. You know, he's more of an adventurer and all that. But Guy Gardner, he's he's more South Boston, if you will. Well, so so here's some quotes from uh, Peter Safran about this. It's our vision for this is very much of the, in the vein of True Detective. It's terrestrial based. 
that's the end of the quote. It says it will feature prominent <laughs> later years. Well, but then I'm, I'm going to read. But, it's then, on there's, but there's another quote. Uh, though, that there you go. <laughs> it follows Hal Jordan and John oh Stewart. God. It's one of the most important shows they have in development. Here's the end of the quote. Quote, this plays a really big role in leading into the main story we are telling across film and TV. Maybe like what the idea maybe was for like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. when maybe that was originally launched that it would have that was supposed to have been kind of a headquarters mm-hmm. for characters like a hub for yeah their, a hub yeah. that the dcu can kind of come in and out of and spin in and out of uh the so the interesting part of all this so we, we named a bunch of the shows that are going to be within the dc universe there are going to be shows anything that is still going forward like pattinson's sequel to the batman the batman 2 uh will be deemed dc elseworlds so, and apparently they made a big deal of this. It will be labeled as such. So if it is non-canonical to the DC universe, it will be labeled with this Elseworlds title, like Pattinson's The Batman 2, like Gotham Knights, which I can't talk about yet because the embargo isn't up until like March, to like early March to talk about, but is telling the Gotham Knights story in a post-Batman Gotham, uh, young people kind of taking up the vigilante mantle I'm into it. I like it. Uh, I'll say it's Riverdale meets the Hourverse. That is the take. That is the vibe of Gotham Knights. That's different than Titans. Uh, yes. I mean, is it this? Is it Nightwing and no? That? The heir to I can't. I can't say no. Is it's it Damian? Not, Damian Wayne? No, it's not Damian Wayne. Though they did announce in the DC universe, there is going to be a Damian Wayne based project coming out in the DC universe. This one is a Berlanti produced show. It's not going to go far. Um, unfortunately, uh, because it's not going to be within the official canon, my guts are telling me it will be one season and done because it was committed to pre. I shake up a DCU. So I, I don't want to get my hopes up too much for it, even though I did like it. And I think it's interesting what they're doing here. Uh, There's still time to Zaslav it. Yeah, it, it, it <laughs> makes it Zaslav. Who knows? But uh, at least I got to uh, Tom and I, we sat down one and basically in one night we marathoned the six episodes available for screeners. Hmm. So uh, I'll send you the link. You can watch it yourself. So, I would enjoy uh, that. And, and then you can uh, take it. Uh, it's uh, it, the central character is a wholly new created character just for this show. Oh, it's no Bruce or uh, it's no Dick Grayson. There's no Jason Todd. None of none of those other kind of traditional wards. It's, it's a whole new ward of Batman. That's the central character. Misha Collins is in the show. He plays Harvey Dent. That's public knowledge, I can say. There are connections to Joker in the show. Um, so they are using some traditional Batman names and properties that we know, but it's it's kind of a new story in it. Mm. Uh, in the world so yeah my understanding of the elseworlds thing was basically like the popcorn movies are the dcu movies similar to mcu movies whereas i mean if you've seen joker or if you've seen the batman those are meant to play out more like not a heightened sense of reality though right. that's those more... are going to be elseworlds properties like yeah. todd phillips's joker and if they make a joker two, whatever the Joker is um, like, a lot like, what if a guy did that in our world? <laughs> what would that look like? I hated that movie. That movie is such a piece of shit. I really hated it. It was, it was, it was probably one of the movies I disliked the most of like the last five years. So mm. I did not like it. We got to talk about Westworld. Westworld is returning to our TVs, guys. How are you excited? Are you excited about this news? If you're going to, going to go download your Tubi app or Roku? <laughs> so weird. So it, it, weird. it feels strange. I mean, I'm excited for the show to actually be able to be watched by people. 
um, because I feel terrible that we all spent so much time watching it, learning it, going to their premiere in New York City, having this amazing time, and then suddenly it like vanished from the earth. So I'm super glad that it's back. It's a little like putting the Mona Lisa on toilet paper. Wow. You don't That's think? I mean, <laughs> just playing with commercials on this freely available thing, it takes kind of like the Cadillac stature. I think it does feel like yeah. it takes it down a notch for sure, without yeah. a doubt. I don't know the toilet paper thing, but sure. They just revealed that we're dealing in three different timelines. You know, meow, meow, mix, meow, meow, mix, you know, like, what? <laughs> yeah, it's going to be why weird. Why is this cartoon bear selling me, uh, you I know, wonder, Charmin? I wonder why they think that, that the watchers of Roku and Tubi are hankering for a complex show like Westworld. I don't know if you've looked at the lineup of the stuff that they put on those channels, but they're kind of taking everything they can get. And some of it is actually good stuff. It's just they insert Not commercials so into it. No, it is. It, yeah. Like, so it is stuff that, that isn't being shown some other places. And that's kind of their niche is, is like <laughs> Hulu didn't pick <laughs> it up. So Peacock funny. didn't pick it up, but it's still something that they think would draw an audience Does that makes sense so, so sure. here are some of the titles from hbo max that were pulled that were zaslav'd off of hbo max that are going to be surfacing on roku and to be to be interesting enough owned by fox not owned by warner brother discovery so uh it, you have westworld you have the nevers raised by wolves f boy island legendary finding magic mike head of the class and the time traveler's wife did you say head of the class that's hilarious i did say head of did, the class, yeah. did they say if they're going to show the rest of the nevers oh you know what it doesn't go into that kind of detail in I this see. article that i was reading um but it does say though here that the roku channel will add about two thousand hours of on-demand content featuring hundreds of Warner Brother Discovery TV series and movies. Hey, I am glad that they have found a place to land. I mean, like I said, I I am sad for all these shows that are being made and then they just I, they literally vanish and we don't get an opportunity to even find them. Having kids who adore shows from another decade <laughs> and having to track those shows down for them, I know that having these current fandoms actually be able to go and find their shows, people are going to be jumping for joy. So right. I'm, I'm happy for the majority of all this. If you went to Tubi, you might be able to find like the greatest American hero if you want it. And you know, you know what? Somebody out there wants to find wants to the find greatest, American, the greatest hero. American hero and, and good I, for them. And when I was in my twenties, I had, I made so many pitches in my head. I, I even wrote some of them down for like reboots of greatest American hero. Oh my God. <laughs> Michael I love Walking on air by Michael Caputo. <laughs> I've never, I, Do not make me pee called, my pants. It was actually called, I've never felt so free. Thank you very oh much. <laughs> Do not make me pee my pants. Do not. Uh, so, y'all, the big takeaway of this is that we have to learn this new phrase. It's a new acronym that we all have to put into our world because this is the word. This is the word that you're hearing with these being taken off of streaming services and dumped on things like Roku and Tubi. Free ad-supported streaming television or fast. So these channels are all being referred to as fast channels. Free ad-supported streaming television channels. So you're going to see that word fast coming up. That's what it's talking about. Basically putting commercials into your premium golden age era HBO shows and other prestige television that never used to have commercials. Now we'll have commercials. It's like they've invented 
regular TV. Right, regular TV, <laughs> right. Somewhere Milton Berle is rolling around in his grave. Right. This is just how you say regular old TV. <laughs> I used to do live ad reads for gas right. stations on my shows. <laughs> and cigarettes. Remember how you have to watch TV at a hotel? This, this is this. This is, this is fast TV. Fast, fast <laughs> this TV. Is the same y'all. thing as hotels. <laughs> Remember that show only used to take 42 minutes because it didn't have commercials? Now it's going to take an hour, just like all the oh other network gosh. shows that you've ever used to watch. Hey, so. can we talk about some shows that we're super looking forward to watching? I am really looking forward to watching this Kelly Bishop show. Tell me about it because I, uh, I heard the headline. Eye. I read the headline, but I didn't read it about it. It's on Freeform, but then on Hulu. You know more about it. Is she the lead? Is Kelly Bishop the lead? I saw Kelly so, Bishop's new show, but I didn't. She read. is. If you watch the credits, cast. if you watch the credits, you know how they'll sometimes put the leads first, but then they might put the most famous person as like an and at the very end. She's the and. Yeah, but I, I think I think it's more of like an ensemble situation where I I mean that's what I'm gathering at least the way that they do the commercials where it's like the nanny the grandmother the whatever it's kind of like Clue like you have like all your individual parts if you will and then the so the the premise is that Elena Santos a young woman with a complicated past maneuvers her way into working as a live-in nanny for an affluent family in Manhattan where she quickly learns that everyone in the mysterious building has a deadly secret and ulterior motives. For me, I love I love a little mystery thriller action, and uh, Kelly Bishop is awesome. So I'm super excited. For those of you guys who don't know who Kelly Bishop is, that would be the matriarchal Emily Gilmore, for all of you who care. <laughs> it's definitely This really a was show. a Gilmore Girls episode. This was it is, right? We should have, that's from now on, maybe we'll have to theme out where it's like just the whole episode where you have to have some like kevin bacon six degrees of separation to go to the next topic i love it i love it and that, show, <laughs> that kelly bishop show is called watchful eye. the watchful eye yeah uh, i'm looking no, forward no to it. connection to handmaid's tale no connection to the eyes nope it's not that i'm aware a, no not at this what point what a wild tie-in that would be it's on Hulu, <laughs> you said, right? so. yeah there was another one is it poker face that that you were looking forward to paul this is the first time hearing of it uh, oh. Poker Face, uh, it was me. I have it on the list of should I be watching this show? This is uh, Natasha Leone's show. It is on Peacock, I believe. I think at the time that we're recording this, five episodes have come out. It's Ryan Johnson. It's from his brain, even though I don't know that he's writing it. It's it's kind of like a like a like a like a crime show, like an of the week crime show. I think I'm hearing great things about it. I haven't me too. pulled the trigger Mystery on of it. the week is what I'm hearing. Yeah, if you guys are out there listening to this and have watched Poker Face, let us know if it's something we should be watching. Because it, I like Natasha Leone. I liked her in Orange Is the New Black, and I liked um, I like Russian Doll. Um, so I it was I like watching her. So I'd be American Pie is good. Was she in American Pie? Yeah, very much. Yeah, uh, I didn't remember that. She was. You just focused on pie mostly, right? Mostly, I love apple pie. Mm. And what's her name? Shannon Elizabeth. Much. There you go. I don't know who you're talking about. She's the modely. Just talking about the pie. I'm just talking about pie. Uh, Let's talk about some cancellations and renewals. This was an interesting week. A lot of renewals, which is weird because we're just in January going into February. Usually you don't get so much renewal news until April, May when upfronts are about to start. But we got a lot of renewals uh, this week. We have 1923, a show that Caroline and I cover as part of the Yellowstone universe, renewed for season two over at Paramount Plus. I don't even what know what the fuck that means. Shock. <laughs> well, so, so here's the thing: when they announced the show, renew a, a show named by the year. 
Well, here's the thing. So when they when they announced the show, when it was getting going, they were like, this is actually going to be two eight season shows. That was like back in November, I feel like. Now this announcement came that it's formally been renewed for season two, but it was already supposed to have a season two. But also 1883 was supposed to have a season two and 1883 season two got scrapped and turned into 1923. So, my long story short, too long didn't read. Grain of salt. Take this with a grain of salt. 1923 <laughs> season two may very easily turn into and probably will turn into 1963. Year Kennedy is shot and the Duttons, <laughs> the Duttons have to survive the Vietnam. Some, you know, some probably someone's not. going to Vietnam as part of, <laughs> as part of uh, 1963. That's my guess. There's actually no season two of 1923. It just turns into another year another year spinoff of the Dutton prequel series. But yeah, so who knows with that? But, you know, by the time this is coming out, uh, episode five of 1923 will have dropped and it is already November 1923 in that show. So you're right, Caroline. Season two is going to be in 1924. I, mean, uh, I don't know. 1923 dot dot dot. Who the fuck knows? Who knows? It's a grain of salt, people. Paul, I don't know. Did you ever get sit down and watch any Mayfair Witches and Rice's Mayfair Witches on AMC? Not yet. Well, you should, because it just got renewed for season two. Uh, well, it's interesting. I think I will give it a shot, but I, I've, I, that's another one of the, the the shows where the book purists aren't as in love with it as maybe the TV audiences are. That's that's funny how that cuts, right? Because the interview with a vampire didn't seem to hew very close to the book either, but that was given a lot of slack by the book readers, I think. So it's hard to say. I know you guys aren't watching it and we're pretty rough on it last week when we talked about Night Court. Only four episodes in has already been renewed for season two. Is is this just nostalgia run amok? Is this just the network's not not having so there is a there the rumors are out there that there is a writer strike coming very soon. Yeah, that's what I'm hearing in May. Uh so maybe shows like Night Court, even though we don't think it's great. Maybe they're just trying to buckle up shows now so they can get working on it before the writers all go on strike. Interesting. I, I bet we see a lot more of the cancellation slash renewal decisions being made a lickety split for exactly that reason. That makes complete sense. Why wouldn't you try to get something all down in writing, if you will, uh, before that shit happens? Well, you get your writer's room up and running now and at least start working on scripts. So maybe yeah. you can do maybe some you've got a, like right? a pile sitting there when it's time for strike time. Right, right, right. Uh, Cobra, this is actually announced a week ago, but we didn't talk about it last week. Cobra Kai, uh, the, the Karate Kid TV series, has been announced for a sixth and final season over on Netflix. I know people are crazy about that show. I think Pod Clubhouse is covered in, in a love it or leave it every season. I think every season, except for maybe season five. It's um, It's very much time, though. I mean, there's only so far you can milk what they're doing and the credibility of how influential <laughs> local dojos are. <laughs> or or the entire town's commitment to one or the other dojo. <laughs> exactly. To be honest, I don't even... the valley than the dojos themselves. Listen, I want to be clear. I don't even have an affiliation with a particular dojo in town. Do in you York, guys? I, I'm in New York. You don't give a shit to me what, what dojo you go to. You know, sweep the lake, put them in a body bag, whatever. Yes, I'm over but here do you all side. have affiliations with 
various dojos. I, in fact, do, but we don't have to get in, into that. Uh, I am a black belt in Taekwondo, though I, I, I gave up actively practicing it a couple of years ago. But I, I do, in fact, have a dojo, but it is not one of the Cobra Kai dojos. So, mm, Well... See if you I went to the not, valley. I am, study, I am not a student of Miyagi Do. So, oh no! Unfortunately, instead. you would have to throw down were you to go to the valley and <laughs> and encounter one of these people. It would be a very like Hong Kong movie sort of setup. Just trying to get my fucking double double at the fast at the on the on the Good line luck. at In and Out and exactly and it breaks out into a fist fight. <laughs> not a fist fight. Oh well, uh, It'd be, it's uh, a whole rumble. I don't think you'd watch. We're yeah. karateing. You might, you might get your back broken in this. I'm this a karate was people. kung fu fighting. Exactly. Yeah. Do, 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 do. But yeah, I mean, I enjoy watching the show. I guess, but I, I mean, it is very. And goofy. Paul totally headed up the love it or leave it for season one and two and seven. You were like all well, about it. You're the, just getting a little fatigued. Well, the, getting karate fatigued. When, you need to get a juice box. When YouTube had the originally. And the pitch was taking the story, turning it on its head and telling it from Johnny's point of view and creating the Johnny character as this kind of lovable loser guy, kind of out of step with modern everything, you know, still drove like his 1985 Firebird or whatever. That was a really enjoyable take on on everything, just just assessing pop culture as it stands now versus through his perpetually 80s shades. But um, it has it has needed to kind of balance out with, well, we got to get Danielson in there and his take. Danielson. Yeah. <laughs> I, so some of that initial appeal has been shifted away to balance out the stories of the two guys. And that all makes sense. You got to grow. You got to all that. But like I said before, fatigue, just you got so much. Fatigue. Well, I mean, Terry Silver is going to somehow take over not just the Valley, but like all dojos everywhere. <laughs> All dojos everywhere. So watch out, New York. It's coming for you. That he's pumping serious money and and bringing like ringers from <laughs> East Asia to teach his students. Oh um, I, it it's it's too much from from where it came from to where it is now. It's a little like it's like the first season of Arrow compared to the, the final season of Arrow. It's like all it's right, limping, it, limping across. Yeah, things got a little out of hand here. From what the happens though if they bring back Hillary Swank? Does that does that revitalize all of it for you? She was no. the next Karate Kid. No. So how about Jaden Smith? Less the so. Second, butts and seats. Less so. I agree with you. I agree no. with you. I mean, the high point might have been when they had Allie. <laughs> come back for an episode and uh kind of create a little a little rivalry between daniel and, and johnny but that was about it uh sad cancellation happening over at hulu reboot which is one of the few comedies i have watched recently uh canceled and i think kind of surprisingly canceled it was pretty well received i think it was well watched I, well I'm not acted sure why it canceled well yeah. written had had pretty freaking famous people in it um I don't know. I, I thought it was an appealing little show. Yeah. I mean, if you, you tell me, if you had given me to take a pick, 50-50 chance, I would have definitely said renewed. Um, it had big enough names. And it, like I said, it, it was it was good. It was as I have very little patience for comedies at any point. I don't really watch them anymore. My taste, though, they were the majority of what I watched as a kid and as a young person. Sure. I watch virtually none of them now. I just know. 
my brain just doesn't have the capacity for them. Too many things going on. I need serialized television. I, I thought this scratched the itch, though, as far as comedies go. It definitely made me laugh. So, you know, in the math of figuring out TV now, when you describe like peak TV as you might have a few years ago, there seemed to be an element of making TV for TV's sake, right? And it seems like we're past that. And we're starting to figure out, well, how much is making TV for TV's sake going to cost me 10 years from now? And maybe, for instance, that cast with four or five people you can just name off the top of your head, like Paul Reiser and uh, other kind of people like that, maybe paying them their due residuals for the level of viewership they were getting now and whatever math they use to, to kind of determine that later it just doesn't balance out for them. Maybe that's driving their decisions now. Yeah, I mean, you had Judy Greer, Rachel Bloom, Paul Reiser, Johnny Knoxville, and Keegan-Michael Key. Like, they were the core of the well-known actors. But, pretty I notable mean, people. Pretty notable, yeah. This is a whole new, like, conversation to have about this idea of what the what the cost is to make something and and keep it going. It, it feels like it, it it's shifted so much, this concept of just like shelving projects that have already been completed just to not have to pay residuals and all that. I mean, this it, it like blows my brain, like, oh, my God. And I can't imagine if you were in the industry and, and feeling like, I mean, how much would you be relying on residuals as you're making your contracts and whatnot? And you're like, wait, wait, what? Like y'all are going to get tricky like that and just like hide projects that we've already made. So just so that you don't have to pay for the work, like that's really shady. Well, here's the even more chilling thing is we just spent the last 15 minutes, 20 minutes talking about shows that have been renewed in this current climate. None of that is safe. Mm-mm. Mayfair witches, uh, maybe they go and film all six episodes and then AMC decides to not air it ever. That is chilling to the art of television. That is damning because as a as a fan, as a viewer, you can't ever rest, right? When you heard your you show was rest. renewed, you're right. And well, as when you were a kid, or or just any time before this year, you heard a show that you really liked was renewed. You kind of like breathe a sigh of relief, All right? It's going to end its season, but it'll be back at some point. A renewal notice is no guarantee that you will actually ever see that show again. AMC uh, is one of the channels with uh, whose record is particularly blemished of late with that exact thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, this news coming out for me, which is I mean, great for them, but also at the same time, does it mean anything until those shows start to air are, are made, produced, edited, finalized and aired. You can't guarantee that they're actually going to show it. Hey, you know like what? You said, AMC just shit can two fully done shows or one and three quarters fully done shows. Just shit can them. Didn't, not going to air them. It really, really makes me uh, long for the days of TiVo <laughs> where like you could you can record your stuff and have it forever and ever and ever because, well, you know, yeah. there's such a worry now that, yeah, it, it could get played like Westworld. It could get played. You could have watched it. But like then now you can never see it again. That, well, they also none of these shows are getting physical media releases. They, right. They, no the DVD sets. None yeah, of that good stuff anymore. The drop off in putting physical media compilations out of shows a complete series really has dropped off. It used to be, I owned friends, you know, the complete series on I DVD. Own I own the West wings. Yeah. It, I don't know. It's it, the, the world has changed so much. So yeah, if, if, if you don't have Westworld recorded somewhere, get used to fast TV, baby, because <laughs> you're going to have to watch <laughs> AKA some regular television bathroom trips. Right? <laughs> you have time to go get snacks and realize what that whole life's about. 
Caroline, there yeah. CBS announced a couple of pilots this week, one of which was Kathy Bates leading a reboot of Matlock. I was curious your take on this. You strike me as someone who was a fan of Matlock back in the day. <laughs> really? Yeah. I'm like a mammal? Right. Spent time at your grandparents' house a lot. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen an actual episode of Matlock, but really? certainly, certainly old Andy's face is in my head, right? Like, uh, yeah. What's his real yeah, name? Yeah. Andy Griffith. In real life. That's his real life name. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, no. Uh, I mean, I, I think that Kathy Bates is like quality is all get out. So if she's going to head it up, I mean, I think she's got the sass and the and the country kind of vibe to her that could actually do this very well you know I, she is the female version of matlock so Still got some fried green in her tomato if we're gonna do this then then she's a, she's the one to do it so let's let's go i'm excited to see it well she is older and has one show friends, me so. <laughs> exactly and, and for fans of the good wife and the good fight as those shows have are have ended and are coming to an end their new spinoff series a like a crime of the week procedural elsbeth has what been announced is with that it's it's the the king's domination. They no just... like Elspeth, really. No, I'm know. sorry. I no. No, that's a very common name no. here in America that we use. No, it's not for me. Alphaba from uh, of Rick course King. we all do. That's the point. Is like bad job, guys. Bad job. That's the well, only thing we all think sings. of. You don't know. <laughs> maybe she is, but I just watched a Simpsons episode where they. Where they pitch a bunch of spinoffs, including Chief Wiggum and Principal Skinner going to New Orleans to run a crime of the week procedural. <laughs> this is like that. This is she's Wiggum. Elsbeth is Wiggum. <laughs> well, you heard it here first, people. Elsbeth is Wiggum. <laughs> oh my he god. He calls Skinner skinny boy. <laughs> okay. I was going to make an uh, uh, Ace Ventura. Einhorn reference. There you but, go. But that hasn't aged well, so I'm not going to. But uh, <laughs> but no, I'm thinking it. No, I am thinking it. So uh, sadly, as we wrap up this episode, I talk about we lost a lot of people this week. A lot of a lot of ce celebrity deaths this week. I was super sad about Lisa Loring. I didn't realize that. Like after her, only John Aston is left of the original cast of Adam's Family. That makes John me Aston's super... still alive. Yeah. And, but he's the only himself. one of the entire cast. That's that's uh, super so. Sad. For people that don't know, Lisa Loring, who passed away Wednesday. this week, played the original Wednesday Wednesday in the TV show. Yeah, very sad. Uh, lost Cindy Williams from Laverne and Shirley. I know that was terrible. I didn't see that one coming at all. Her and Penny Marshall, they can be reunited. Oh, so. that's so sad. Annie Wershing, who this one, this one actually hit me the hardest of anyone this week. Uh, I was a big fan of Annie. She was only forty-five. She lost a battle to cancer after two years. People were like, she had cancer, but she was just on Picard season two as like the board queen. Yeah, she was acting and working like full time jobs. And fans of Star Trek know the makeup and the prosthetics and that is grueling. And she was acting through a cancer diagnosis, not telling anyone uh, when she was doing that. But I was a fan of hers going back to her first role was a Star Trek, uh, Star Trek Enterprise back in the early 2000s. Hmm. Who was um, she in so that? 
she it was just a one-off episode it was she was just like a guest star it was literally her first acting oh, okay. job yeah it was just a random but whenever i watch it i see her whenever i watch rewatch uh, enterprise which i'm one of the like seven people that likes enterprise is, is so. she uh is she going to be in the third season I, I never watched the second season of picard but all the previews for the third season have got me kind of excited to see what's coming up they pretty much concluded that story. I think if Picard was going to go on for more seasons, they would come back around it. But the way season two ended, uh, the board queen and oh, crap, the character whose name I'm blanking on kind of go off to go fix the Borg uh, kind of. So mm. they, they kind of ended that story. So I don't think she was intended to be back. Well, in season, season three is going to be it. Patrick Stewart is yeah. like like a hundred years old now he's so. old. But though, uh, though, in yeah, flame, I know he's actually like a robot. <laughs> well, no, it's not. It's not that I, the character is actually a little bit of a robot uh, at this point in the show. But, um, but bit. he did say he was like he would be he would be open to he would be open to doing more now that the show is done. He's like, I actually don't want to end it. So as long as he's alive, don't count out Picard appearing more and more. Um, he'll be puppeteered for sure. There will be someone with a hand up his ass. Uh, and only good him. juju for Patrick Stewart. Oh, of course. Oh my god. Of course. I would be crushed. He is. He is. He is my only Star Trek captain. He is oh. number one, two, and three <laughs> on, on my list of Star Trek. Captains, oh my so. goodness! But Riker's um, beard. Yum. All of the cast is is in the third season preview, so they got Riker. They've got everybody. Oh well, that was the whole thing. Season three is the wrap up. Was it was the big next generation renewal? They got everyone to come back basically for for this season, which they haven't had since the final next generation movie, probably twenty years ago. You you've had different people pop up in different things, and obviously behind the scene, people like Lavar Burton and Jonathan Frakes have continued to direct Star Trek projects, and Brent Spiner continues to appear in every single iteration of Star Trek. The because of the Noonien Soong family line right, goes yeah. back four hundred plus years. They always have a way of bringing Brett Spiner into literally every single Star Trek enter, uh, property. Um, but this is the first time they're all going to be kind of back together, uh, unified, the Next Generation crew. So well, I'm amazing. excited for it. That's a, yeah, good, and, that's a good thing to end on here. Uh, Melinda Dillon actually passed away just as just literally as we were going to record this she actually passed away in january but it was just announced she was the mom from a christmas story oh yes yes well and the single mom from close encounters yep yep that was her other big thing i mean i think people probably mostly know her for for christmas story but yeah but she was in close encounters when i was reading her little bio you know when you think of 70s 80s actresses she may not jump to your the forefront of your mind but she was nominated for two supporting actress oscars Wow. Yes. <laughs> That's nuts. <laughs> Things well, she was 83, know. which is kind of crazy. Wow. Like, it makes you, you don't think about Christmas Story being that long ago, but the mom in the Christmas Story, 83. I mean, that's kind of crazy. Well, our dogs have been farting, so it's time to get out of the office. <laughs> this is Caroline. Well, on, that, on that happy note. <laughs> this is Caroline. This is Paul. And this is Mike. Thank you for listening to the Pop Culture Review Podcast. If you wouldn't mind heading over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and rate, review, and subscribe. And while you're there, leave us a five-star review so other people can find the show and Apple will promote the show. That would be great so that we don't have to cancel you and put you on Fast TV. No commercials for you guys. Come on. No commercials. Let's go. Let's go. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. 
please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you.